listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in to episode number 159 we had an exciting Elimination Chamber pay-per-view with Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn going toe-to-toe. A familiar face shows up to AAW Legacy. Axel Rico adds another championship. And I'm going to recap a fun and exciting second wrestling show and much more. Plus, we welcome for the first time, he's going to be part of SSW Special Benefit Show Horsepower on March the 10th in Kenosha. He's been dabbling in wrestling for the last year or so for David Hero's Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. Our special guest this week, CBS 58 Milwaukee anchor, Iron Mike Kirkhoff. Gonna get all that and so much more right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle. But what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion and your freelance underground independent champion. And you're listening to the Windy City Slam Podcast. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast. This past Saturday night, WWE presented the Elimination Chamber from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And it was an action-packed show and the main event really Told a great story. Let's get into it. Starting off with the Women's Elimination Chamber and facing Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 39 for the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka wins the chamber match, defeating Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, and Carmella by last eliminating Carmella. This was pretty predictable as Asuka was expected to win this match, and that's probably the best matchup at this point, Asuka and Bianca for the Raw Women's title. Bobby Lashley defeats Brock Lesnar via a disqualification when Lesnar mule kicks Lashley in the groin while he was stuck in the hurt lock. Kind of a little disappointing ending, as we thought maybe Bray Wyatt might be involved to face the winner of this match, but will that happen, especially after this convoluted ending? Or as Bray Wyatt goes, everything's convoluted with him, so maybe this becomes a three-way somehow at Mania. And then we had Edge and Beth Phoenix winning the mixed tag team match over the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley when Edge and Phoenix hit the Shatter Machine on Balor and Edge pins him. And the Shatter Machine, that's an homage to FTR, who are good buddies with Edge, and he trained with them as he was trying to make his comeback a few years ago. Interesting little wink to FTR there. And then we have the men's chamber for the U.S. Championship. Austin Theory defeats Seth Freakin' Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Montez Ford. When Theory hits the A-Town down, last eliminating and pinning Rollins, following some interference from Logan Paul. Yes, that pain-in-the-ass pesky Logan Paul is going to get another big-time match. This time, it looks like Logan Paul against Seth freaking Rollins at WrestleMania. I think Logan Paul is a great heel and they're using him in the right role now. And I hope Seth Rollins kicks the crap out of him because that's what I think everybody wants to see. Seth just beating him up and just taking him down. I'm sure Logan Paul will have another all-star effort like he did against Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. But I'd love to see Seth kick his ass. And in your main event... 
the WWE Universal Championship, Roman Reigns, with the wise man Paul Heyman in his corner, ends up pinning Sami Zayn to retain the championship and move on to WrestleMania for his match against Cody Rhodes. Late in the match, with two refs already taken out, Sami Zayn was down, and Roman was ready to use a chair on Sami, and Jey Uso comes in to try to stop it. Roman then gave the chair to Jay and said, Jay, you need to take out Zayn. Kind of like he gave the chair to Sammy at the Royal Rumble to take out Kevin Owens. After some time, Roman got pissed off, took the chair back from Jay Uso, dodges a spear attempt from Sammy Zayn, and that spear took out Jay Uso. Reigns then went to town on Sammy with the chair several times, and then spears Sammy Zayn to get the three count as referee Dan Engler finally recovers to make the count. After the match, Kevin Owens came out to save Sammy, and Owens set up Reigns to take a halluva kick from Sammy to send the crowd home somewhat happy. It just pulled at the heartstrings. It was a great story, great psychology. Every little bit that they've done in this Roman Reigns bloodline, Sammy Zayn, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens deal over the last few months, It's been so meticulous. It's been an awesome story, even with some parts being unpredictable. And they've even added layers to this with the Jey Uso uh, swerve with him kind of siding with Sammy a little bit. And even though Jimmy and Jey are still your tag team champions and they reunited to defend those titles on SmackDown recently, I still think there's some layers to be told here, even as Roman heads to WrestleMania to face Cody Rhodes. And the fans think that it's going to be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against the Usos for the Tag Team Championship. It appears that it's headed that way, but you never know. There might be a couple more little swerves before we get there. Good stuff from WWE. And I'm telling you right now, ever since last summer where Triple H took over the creative, it's probably been about an A effort so far. I'm not going to give it an A+. There's been a few things here and there, but a solid A over Vince McMahon's C-D+, over the last few years. That's for sure. All right, local professional wrestling, and we had a lot going on this past weekend. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Starting off, and we're going to start purposely here with AAW Pro's Legacy event this past Friday night, February the 17th, at the Berwyn Eagles Club in Berwyn. And this show saw a six-man tag open it up with Conan Lycan, Joe Alonzo, and Solomon Tupu of Smooth Operations, defeating Isaiah Moore, Damian Chambers, and Crash Jackson. In a women's tag team match with Heather Reckless and Sierra, getting the victory over Queen Amanada and Missa Kate, who replaced Christy Janes. And then we had Rush Jones defeating Anthony Katina. Josh Alexander defeats Ren Jones. And then Silas Young knocks off former Windy City Slam podcast guest Big Beef, Narls Garvin. For the AAW Heritage Championship, Davey Vega defeats Mike Bennett. For the AAW Tag Team titles, Calvin Tankman and frontman Jossie retain over Karam and Hakeem Zayn. Gringo Loco wins the four-way match over Adamis, Brayden Lee, and Black Torus. And in your main event, tag team action with your AAW champion Jake Something and Joey Janela defeating Mance Warner and Manders. But possibly the biggest story of this show and one of the biggest stories in Chicago wrestling so far this year. Former freelance world champion Robert Ego Anthony shows up at AAW at the Eagles Club, says he needs to right some wrongs. He returns to AAW after a 15-year hiatus. He seemingly has his eyes on AAW champion Jake Something and wants to reclaim the championship that he once owned as AAW's inaugural champion. Which, all this leads to potting with Ego this past week. Saturday morning, it dropped the latest episode of Potting with Ego with Robert Ego Anthony, and the episode is entitled Goodbye Freelance Wrestling, where he discusses his departure from freelance and his return to AAW. And a Notes version here real quick. Ego wanted to make sure that Storm Grayson was ready to be the man to carry the company as freelance champion, and Ego did a hell of a job setting that up. 
And he also mentions that he originally wanted Isaias Velasquez and Kylie Ray as his two former freelance world champions to be part of the gauntlet at Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. We instead got Darren Corbin and GPA, which made sense as their heels, but Ego's idea is quite interesting, but it may have backfired if they use, especially if they use Kylie Ray, because the last time Kylie and Storm wrestled at the Emporium a few months ago, the fans were on Kylie's side and they were talking crap about Storm Grayson, talking crap about Naperville, and I don't know if that would have worked out too well, having Kylie being one of the members of the gauntlet. It might have made Storm look bad in that sense, so I'm kind of glad they ended up going with Darren Corbin and GPA. I think that was the right move, but Ego definitely brings up a really cool and interesting point to ponder when he says Isaiah and Kylie Ray should have been part of that gauntlet. That would have been really interesting. Check out this episode of Potting with Ego. Once you're done with Windy City Slam Podcast, I can guarantee you it's a great listen and you won't be disappointed. All right, after a quick break, we're going to come back and recap more action from CSW, Warrior Wrestling, Second Wrestling, and so much more right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Hello, everyone. Maven, former WWE superstar, season one, Tough Enough winner. Make sure you catch Windy City Slam podcast wherever podcasts are available. So Windy City Slam, check it out. All right, let's get back into this past weekend. Friday night, February the 17th, Chicago-style wrestling presented Wild at Heart at the American Legion in Franklin Park, airing live on IWTV. And the show opens with the CSW Championship match as Axel Rico retains the title, pinning TJ Steele. And Steele was favoring his lower leg and ankle for most of the match. General Manager Steve Aaron contemplated calling off the match, but Axel Rico wanted it to continue, so Steve acquiesced, and they finished the match. Cypher pins Du Montgomery with a sit-out chokeslam, and then in a mild upset, we had Adam Stallion pinning CJ Esparza following a roll-up. Tag team gauntlet with five teams. Sexy of Ryan Matthews and Jax Johnson end up winning the gauntlet, defeating Big Mood, Mateo Valentine and Jack Booty, Alpha Zeta Zeta, Austin Adams and Hans Carton, Mario Pardua and Eric Schultz, and Marco Anthony and Sean Mulligan as Sexy last eliminates Big Mood. And I don't know what the heck's going on with Ryan Matthews. He's wearing paper bags. He's wearing paper masks of himself over his face. Is he going through some sort of Cody Rhodes from 10 years ago stage? And does he really think he's ugly now, even though he's really not? But not saying he's pretty either, but kind of strange. And then we had, in a great match, Vic Capri pinning J.J. Garrett. CSW Metro Division Championship, a five-man scramble. And superstar Steve Boz retains the title, defeating Joey Mayberry, Chris Miller, Cody James, and dogface bastard Greg Murray as Boz super kicks and pins Cody James. After the match, Iniestra comes out, attacks Steve Boz, and says he wants next. And then we had the NWA Women's Champion Camille pinning Shelly the Bombshell after Eric Schultz distracts Shelly and Camille hits the spear on Shelly, leading to the pin. Now, this was originally supposed to be a three-way match, including Sky Blue, but Sky was not medically cleared. She had a little bit of a, a concussion issue, perhaps. She said something about a steel chair shot, so it was just a one-on-one match. Shelly the Bombshell really showed out here, but Camille gets the win as Team Babushka continues to disintegrate. But Mario Pardua actually came out to save Shelly, after Schultz's attack. So, that part of Team Babushka seems intact, but Eric Schultz seems to be on the outs. And then, in the main event, Blake Christian defeats Marche Rocket via a countout, 
after Christian shoves referee Kevin Woods into Marche, who got knocked back out onto the floor, and Woods finishes his 10 count. After the match, Marche hits the M80 on Christian to get a measure of revenge. And unusual to see Blake Christian be a heel here, but he was really good at it. And of course the CSW crowd is going to support the hometown boy, Marche Rocket. That match was really a lot of fun. After the match, and this was actually cut off on the live stream of IWTV, but is now included with the replay. It was also shown on CSW's Twitter. GM Steve Arendt returns to the ring to announce next month's special guest, Swaggle, for the March 17th show. Then TJ Steele comes out from the back, attacks Steve Arendt from behind with the steel chair, and he continued to hammer Arendt with that chair for about the next minute. And after that, he takes the mic. TJ Steele says, there's a change coming to CSW, and the one that's bringing it is TJ Steele. Interesting stuff right there. And I almost wonder if TJ Steele will end up being the overall mastermind of the hate keepers. That's a theory that I just popped into my head just before I started recording, so... Could be interesting to see if that has any credence or is TJ Steele just acting alone because he's disgruntled and he thinks he deserves a title shot. Stay tuned, as they say. All right, and now we're going to hit ICW Milwaukee's Insane Rumble. That was this past Friday night at the bar in West Allis, Wisconsin. And these results courtesy of our friend and colleague, High Five Tom. For the ICW Alternative Championship, Apex athlete CJ Cole defeats the Spectre Jaden Mercer via disqualification when Jaden slaps ref Joe Coley. And that means Mercer is still your alternative champion. And in a five-way gauntlet match for the ICW Tag Team Championships, Marjax, the Marman, and Jared Jax win the titles by outlasting Theory of Asian Unity, Mangan Josiah, Great Outdoors, Oso and the Yeti, former Windy City Slam podcast guests, Country Air, and the defending champs of Evil Inside, Chucky Bates, and Sean Priest. And the insane rumble comes down to the outlaw Zach Hendricks and marvelous Ethan Matthews outlasting 28 of the other ICW superstars. And in the end, Ethan Matthews gets the victory with an assist from vivacious Val Malone. And in your main event, ICW owner and Wisconsin deathmatch legend Dysfunction faced the ICW world champion public enemy Eric Dillinger in a good old-fashioned ICW deathmatch. And Dillinger gets the victory, putting Dis through some flaming light tubes for the win. Crazy stuff right there. And stay tuned to Windy City Slam Podcast for more details on next month's fallout from the Insane Rumble. And thanks again to High Five Tom for his assistance with this report. And now we go to Saturday night, February the 18th, Rockford Damage Incorporated's St. Valentine's Massacre at the Teamsters Hall in Rockford. And these results are courtesy of Kayfabe Soup from Instagram. Thank you very much for sending this along to me over the weekend. And it looked like a packed house of probably about 400 plus in attendance. And to start off, we had the Four Corners Elimination Tag Team Match as C&C Destruction of Cody James and Chris Miller reunited in Rockford Damage to win the Rockford Damage Tag Team Championships, defeating Irish Bob Army, The Revolution, and Bruiser Mass Index. And then we had Shelly the Bombshell defeating Leslie Namuneka by submission, and Swaggle defeats Half-Pipe Punk, and cuts a fun promo thanking the crowd after the match. And this was a crazy match. This Rockford Street fight, a three-way. We had Kazile defeating Moondog Murray and Scott Spade. Kazile ends up stabbing Moondog with a fork, and Moondog just bled a gusher. I mean, he had the crimson mask. He had everything going on there. And they even had to change the canvas after the match. And there was barbed wire plywood, a barbed wire baseball bat, a table full of nails, and a bunch of steel chairs. It was absolute mayhem. And even after this match on Facebook, Rockford Damage owner Stevie Eisman came out and said, we're not going to ever have a match like this again. It was just so barbaric and crazy. And 
This was definitely one for the record books. And Kazile gets the win there. And then we had tag team action where the Brothers of Funstruction defeated Vic Capri and Mason Perks. And for the Rockford Damage Championship, Axel Rico adds to his title collection. He defeats NWA's Tom Latterer via a pinfall to become the new Rockford Damage Incorporated Champion. So Axel adds that title to the CSW Championship that he already owns. And ladies and gentlemen, Axel Rico is absolutely for real. I said this a couple of years ago on WindyCitySlam.com when I did an article where five acts destined for a major promotion and Axel Rico is one of the guys I picked in that article and kind of makes me look like a genius there. And I don't know if I was trying to be clairvoyant, but go back and check out that article and you'll see some, uh, you'll see some really good predictions right there as the, for the five acts that are really succeeding on the Chicago scene right now. Now let's check out Warrior Wrestling Saturday night, February the 18th. Warrior Wrestling 28 at Talia Hall in Chicago. Sam Banana's pin Storm Grayson after a 450 splash. And then we had Queen Amanada defeating Max the Impaler by a disqualification. And the lucky one, Jordan Cross, pins Carlos Romo after Romo headbutts Cross, which KO'd both men. And Cross ends up falling on top of Romo to get the three count. And Trevor Outlaw with Frank the Clown gets probably one of the biggest victories of his career, pinning the 350-plus pounds of Beast Man. Wow. And then Mike Bennett knocks off Joey Janela. And again, this was supposed to be Sky Blue against Joey Janela, but because of Sky Blue's not being cleared, Mike Bennett took over, and he gets the win. Warrior Wrestling Champion, or should I say the truly blessed Warrior Wrestling World Champion, Casey Navarro with Frank the Clown, defeats... Brian Cage via a countout to retain the title, but not before Brian Cage throws Casey off of like a intermediate balcony through a table. That was crazy. You could catch that clip through Wrestling with Unicorns on Twitter, and I believe Warrior Wrestling also retweeted some of their own angles on that, so that was some pretty crazy stuff right there. And then for the Warrior Wrestling Lucha Championship, and this was an all-star bout, we had Hijo del Vikingo retained by defeating Arrow Boy, Aramis, and Black Tortoise when Vikingo pins Arrow Boy to retain the belt. Shifting up north, Saturday night, February the 18th, Bruce City Wrestling presented Bruce City Bedlam at the Waukesha Elks Lodge in Waukesha. Highlight from that show, former Windy City Slam podcast guest Big John Crowley defeats the Midwest Slayer Stacy Shadows to win the BCW Championship, and end her 265-day title reign. So congratulations to Big John Crowley. Shifting to the show that I was at this past Sunday, Second Wrestling presented Identity Theft at the Bernard Winger JCC in Northbrook. Great to see special guests Ariane Andrew, a.k.a. Cameron, and the Brooklyn Brawler Steve Lombardi. They were both really cool Arian was really nice, and Lombardi, I got to talk to him a little bit about his segment on Primetime Wrestling many years ago, where he and Bobby Heenan laid out the Red Rooster and even beat up Gorilla Monsoon. That was something that was an indelible mark on my young 13, 14-year-old brain at that point, and it was an enjoyable moment for me to relive that with the Brooklyn Brawler. And let's get to the show. We had Heather Monroe pinning Kayla Cassidy in the opener after a sit-out jawjacker. And much to my surprise, Kayla Cassidy actually played babyface here, or so it seemed, because Heather Monroe was definitely healing it up in this match. And then Rabbi Jeremy Fine came out to host the Holy Hot Seat and brought out second wrestling champion Billy Starks to congratulate her on one year as champion. But then Lady Frost came out from the crowd, attacks Billy to disrupt the proceedings and vow to become champion later on in the evening. Triple threat match, we had the powerful Jackson Larkin with Jason Midas in his corner as he defeats David Ali and Jordan Cross when Larkin pins Cross after a side power slam. And then we had in a hell of a match that we really weren't expecting, N-Seeker Dante Leon 
pins Carlos Romo. That's right, Carlos Romo subbing for Eric Cannon, and we hope Eric gets better. In a hell of a match, and Romo was in town for Warrior Wrestling and ends up wrestling Dante Leon, but Dante Leon hits the senton splash to the back of Romo and gets the three count there. And then we had another last-minute substitute in frontman Jossie. He was subbing for the Maxwell Street Heritage Champion Super Thunderfrog, and frontman Jossie pins Beyond Alpha Ezio Orlandi when, inexplicably, Orlandi's manager, Jason Midas, distracts Orlandi, leading Jossie to roll up Orlandi for the pin. And then, to punctuate Orlandi's loss, Jackson Larkin comes out, spears Orlandi to seemingly excommunicate Orlandi from Team Jason Midas. Crazy stuff right there and totally unexpected. And in tag team action, we had Brogan Finley and Swaggle defeat pick and pop of Darius Luttrell and Coder Hernandez after Finley pins Hernandez following a flying elbow drop. And you had your, your typical horn swaggle antics in this match. And the best part was when Swaggle and Darius Luttrell and, and di- faced off in the ring. And Darius Luttrell is like six foot eight and played professional basketball, played collegially at UIC. And it was funny stuff to see the height disparity there and, and some of the antics going on there. It was a really cool match. And in your main event, second wrestling championship, Billy Starks defends the title, retaining it by pinning Lady Frost after a swanton bomb. Second Wrestling returns to the Chicago area on Thursday night, April the 27th, back at Dirty Nellie's in Palatine for a show entitled Altercation. Billy Starks is slated for a title defense, Effie makes his second debut, and the dastardly Darren Corbin is slated to return. Alright, upcoming events in the Chicagoland area and beyond. This coming weekend, Impact Wrestling has one of their Impact Plus special events, No Surrender. That's in Las Vegas on Friday night. If you're part of Impact Plus, you can catch that there. Coming closer to home, Friday night the 24th, Legacy Pro Wrestling is at the Buena Vista Banquets in Milwaukee. Saturday, February the 25th, Janesville Wrestling Alliance presents Superstars and Collectibles 11 in Janesville. And also, Saturday night, the 25th, Southland Championship Wrestling presents Rockin' Wrestling at Steam Hollow Brewing in Mantino. Should be a fun card. Friend of the show, Hawaiian Hitman Koal Aksamana, plus the Strange Bedfellows SCW Tag Team Champions will be in action. That's Jimmy Blaze and Scott Spade. Should be a fun show that night. Plus, JPH going up against Sharpshooter James Creed, which should be another excellent match. And then Saturday night, the 25th, Racine Championship Wrestling is back from beyond in Racine. Also Saturday night, February the 25th, GLCW presents Break It Down with former WWE superstar X-Pac over at Circle B Recreation in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. And then Sunday, February the 26th, we have Ileana Pro Wrestling in Richton Park. And the 26th, we also have PWX Supremacy at the North Point Arena in Streeter. All right, coming up in mere moments, our special guest for this week, he's going to be wrestling at SSW's Horsepower on March the 10th, CBS 58 Milwaukee anchor, Iron Mike Kirkhoff. Stay tuned. Brand new SSW tag team champion, the punk rock prince, Jordan Cross here, live at the Broad Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friend's over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. You can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast this week. So very excited to bring on our special guest. He's going to be a part of SSW's special benefit show called Horsepower on March the 10th in Kenosha. And he's been dabbling in wrestling for the last year or so for David Hero's Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. And for the first time, we welcome CBS 58 anchor Mike Kirkhoff. Iron Mike, how you doing? Very good. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for coming on with us. For sure, for sure. All right, so you're going to be a part of SSW's Horsepower, 
March the 10th, Mahone Middle School in Kenosha. So do you have any idea at all what you'd be doing on that night as of yet? I know I'll be tagging with the Fanny Pack Kid, Cal Hero, which is which is pretty cool for me. You know, he's a popular guy around here, and probably the reason I got into wrestling again, uh, well, actual wrestling, myself wrestling, um, because of a story I did on him uh, four and a half years ago now. Yeah, Cal's an amazing kid. Uh, he's come a long way. He's, um, I believe, tag team champions with Al Snow right now. This is really, really cool as the new Rockers. So, yeah, yeah. Al, uh, Al ditched me for Cal, and I don't blame him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I first did that story way back when, when he was still in high school, you could you could tell. You could tell he had something. He had it in the personality. He had it in the physicality. And uh, sometimes you, you you can just see it. Even I could see it. I'm sure everyone else could see it. And now when he, how he's doing in OVW is just phenomenal, and he, he looks amazing. So what made a guy who's the morning anchor at CBS 58 in Milwaukee want to get in the ring? And what influenced you to give it a shot? Well, I had always loved wrestling, especially in high school. The first show that I watched was the one after uh, Stone Cold hit Vince McMahon with uh, the bedpan. And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. And I started watching. I watched for a long time. Um, I would watch after football practice. I remember falling asleep on Monday nights because I was so exhausted, but I was always, I was always there. We, my friends and I would get the pay-per-views. We'd get the, the little cable box and from the store, we'd have to bring it in. So if, I was just remembering that at WrestleMania, how funny it is now. Um, but we would backyard wrestle too. I was Iron Mike then. I was Iron Mike 20 years ago, backyard wrestling. I did a stunner 20 years ago, backyard wrestling in my friend's yard. And I always loved it. I got away from it a little bit because my career kind of got busier and busier and I was working every night as a sports anchor and sports reporter. Eventually, I make my way to Wisconsin. I do a story on uh, Bulletproof Ben McCoy because his story is so interesting. And while I'm doing that story, I meet Dave and Cal Hero and I see Cal. And I think his story is real interesting, dropping uh, high school sports to, to as a high schooler, try to become a pro wrestler. And I do a story with them. And then uh, Dave Hero keeps feeding me stars that are coming in, Mick Foley, uh, Eric Bischoff, whoever, whoever's coming in, uh, Big Show. And then one time, one day he asked, hey, do you want to try it? Which is not out of out of the norm, you know. Uh, um, Lance Allen, a sports guy here in Milwaukee at a competitor, com- competing station, did it several years ago. But you see radio guys do it or whoever. So it's not that out of the ordinary. There's a mutually beneficial relationship there with the promotion for for both sides but like i didn't want to just get in there and play around and just like you know um give a couple shoves and then be done i wanted to seriously train and do it for real and i did and blizzard brawl the 2021 happened and i think everyone was kind of surprised myself included about how well it went and how much the crowd was into it and so we just kept it going So getting ready for that first match at Blizzard Brawl 2021 and that six-man tag that you had, who trained you and how did you learn so much so soon? So it was – so I I trained with a guy named Oscar Charles in the gym. We started working out. I hired a trainer. I started getting real serious about it. I had never done that before. And then once a month, maybe a couple times a month leading up to the show, I would go down to – Cudahy to where Bruce City Wrestling trains and and Dave was there, Angel Armani was there, Cal was there, and we would just work on a few things. And I was I was a good enough mimic. I'm athletic enough to to say, okay, try this, and I, I would do it. I had a little bit less fear than most, I hope, and I just I started doing it. And they taught me exactly what I needed to know to get it done. And then I don't know, we were ready. So you've. Uh had a handful of matches so far and your very first match you made a big impact there you teamed up with the current AEW tag team champions Colton and Austin Gunn where you faced the express of Ryan Cross, Dr. Jeff Luxon and Kevin Thorne and you got the victory when you stone cold stunned Kevin Thorne and got the pin so what was that experience like? That that was an amazing night That everything about it teaming with the guns when they come in and how welcoming they were of me and Kevin Thorne. I had not met him until that night that we talked on the phone uh, a, a day before I and me, meeting him and how accepting he was of me and also the express who I had talked to, but I had not wrestled with. And I think everyone was just 
was just so welcoming to me and maybe just appreciated that I was taking it seriously. And I, I trained and I, I did my best uh, to put on a good show. And man, when you go through that curtain the first time, the pop from the crowd, your music's playing, the CBS 58 uh, theme song is playing and the crowd's just going nuts. You see some of your friends in the audience. They've got a big, uh, one of those fat head cutouts of my, of my head. And I, I was just I was just going crazy. And then the crowd's chanting your name, Mike, 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 and the guns are 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 getting them to chant and they tag me in and then I get beat up for quite a bit. It slammed a few times and on the video later you can hear my wife going, Oh, oh my oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then when I when the guns came in and they all hit the hit the famous sir on Kevin Thorne and I hit the stunner, it was just it was really cool. And the crowd went nuts. The crowd was super into it, and that's that was my favorite part about telling a good story and and achieving that goal. And then you went ahead and ended up winning the GLCW Tag Team Championships with Al Snow last summer. So what was it like to, you know, like just your third or fourth match, whatever it was, to actually win Tag Team Gold? That was incredible. That was incredible. An amazing opportunity. That happened at Thienesville on the river as part of the uh, Lions Fest there. So there's a big carnival all around you. There's a ton of people there. And that was the first match that my kids saw. And so one of my most cherished videos that I have of my entire kids' um, childhood so far, the seven and four-year-old, is them realizing that I had just won the championship, that I was holding up a belt. And, and, and my son, my four-year-old going, oh, dad won, dad won, dad won. And he's just screaming. And it was just an amazing day and an amazing little over a month long reign. And I, the next morning or the next Monday morning, I've got the belt with me here on this set. And I'm, I got the belt on the newscast and I took my belt. I, I coached little league. The kids all wanted to see it. So I said, okay, play your best today and I'll bring it out. And they did. And so I, I brought it out and we're all, you know, I wore it in the parade, the Grafton Fourth of July parade here in Wisconsin. It was, it was a really cool experience. I was very appreciative of that title reign. And then speaking of storytelling, you had a really cool kind of angle and story to get back in the ring with Kevin Furtick, a.k.a. Mordecai this time at Blizzard Brawl 2022. And you actually defeated him that night, too. So I, I guess that means news anchors are better wrestlers than real estate agents. I think that's proven. Yeah, I think it's proven. <laughs> so uh, what was it like to go one-on-one -on -one with a guy that's been all over the world, including WWE, as Kevin Thorne as a, and as Mordecai? I mean, he's an intimidating guy. He's a big guy, a lot bigger than me. I'm, I'm 5'10", 195, and I'm training, but I, I, can't, I can't train another foot. I can't train another 100 pounds of, of muscle. And uh, Kevin... Kevin was awesome. We put on a great match at Blizzard Ball 2022. But I'm also proud of the story we told leading up to that. You know, I, I pinned him a year before, and I did a news story about that, about the training, the whole process, and that was nominated for an Emmy. Well, it turns out he lives in Indianapolis. Another news reporter did a story about him, and that won an Emmy. And so he was an Emmy winner. I was just a nominee, and he dogged me about that. He came out at um while i was champion he came to grafton to my town we had a match outdoors at the capco parking lot for a, a fundraiser there and he interrupted that match he, he choke slammed me a couple times and we won by dq and I ended up losing the title the next night the next night in ashipin and so in december i pinned him july he broke up my match and caused me to lose the title in october I found out I was nominated for an Emmy in November. He trash-talked my Emmy. He came came to Cedarburg to a, a GLCW show at Circle B, and he trash-talked my kids and my wife and, and everyone, and that was it. And I even tried to have him come on the show. We did an interview a, a oh. interview on the newscast, and we, we just couldn't get through it. A little bit of trash-talking, and that set up the, the match, which, again, another match that I'm proud of. We told a good story. We, we kept it tight, and the crowd was into it. And then Billy Gunn, uh, he came out and saved the day. And then he did the little uh, scissor after the match, too, with the with the fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> his shirt says a certain thing, but I'm a yep. news anchor for a family-friendly newscast, so I like to oh. say I celebrated with Billy Gunn, not I blanked with Daddy Blank. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just for a little color for our viewers and listeners, 
Kevin Thorne or Kevin Furtick is now a real estate agent in the Indianapolis area. So that's why I made the reference earlier to news anchors and real estate agents. Yes. <laughs> you also actually participated in a battle royal for One Fall Entertainment last fall at their annual Pink Heel show. And I saw some footage from that. That was actually pretty cool, too. Yeah, yeah. I had never been in a battle royal before. That was uh, part of the Cancer Cup, which was a, a battle royal as part of their um, Pink Heels show that was in Sheboygan Falls, raised $13,000 for Pink Heels, which is an organization that gives money to cancer patients and their families, not to pay their medical bills, but to pay rent or to pay a, a car payment or buy groceries for the week or have a birthday party for one of their kids. It, it helps with those kinds of things and doubled the money that they a little bit more than doubled the money that they raised the year before. Um, and the Cancer Cup was the, the first match, the Battle Royal. I had never been in a Battle Royal before. And, man, there's a lot of people in that ring. I had never experienced that before. I got I got big handprints across my chest when it was over on my back, too. It was in the final four. I got eliminated because of my hubris. I was doing a little trash talking. I got dumped over the side. <laughs> Now, you had a little bit of an athletic background back at Schaumburg High School when you played some football for the Saxons. And then you also transitioned into drama later on, getting into plays and stuff like that. So I guess a little bit of both kind of influenced your background in, in getting into professional wrestling. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those were two things I was most interested in was uh, sports, football, and and acting and drama. And so I, I played football um, freshman, sophomore, junior year. Freshman, I was five foot ten, fastest guy in the field, starting defensive end. But by junior year, I was still five foot ten. I was no longer the fastest guy on the field, and I was the third string defensive back. And I was probably not going to be playing very much uh, my senior year because the two people in front of me both played football in college, and that was fine. And at the time, I did not like working out very much either, which I do now. So go figure. But anyway, I, I wanted to get into acting and get into drama and. There is a competition called Mr. Saxon, which is basically a talent slash sketch comedy show or whatever you want to call it. And so I, I did that my senior year. I was in a play called Rehearsal for Murder. And so the athleticism plus the the expressive faces, the drama, the the selling, that's all part of it. And that became my career, you know, expressively talking about sports. I was a sports reporter and anchor for half my career before I moved to news anchoring. Uh, morning news anchoring and that all built up little did i know to entering the ring when i turned 38 <laughs> yeah late bloomer kind of like a diamond dallas page from back yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so going back to your younger days when you got into wrestling as a fan you were mm -hmm. saying you started tuning in the week after stone cold hit mr mcmahon with the bedpan so yes who were some of the wrestlers that you were favorites it was Steve Austin, of course, The Rock, and then when Kurt Angle came, Kurt Angle was like my instant favorite. I just loved, I loved the the promos that he did, intensity, integrity, and intelligence. The three eyes. I actually wrote that. Um, I took the ACT two times, and the first time I got it, it was, I got I, I got the score I was looking for. The second time was like a required Illinois state achievement test, and so the essay I wrote was like. I was just being a total goofball. I wrote about intensity, integrity, and intelligence, but didn't reference wrestling in any way, just whatever the prompt was. I, I talked about that. Ended up getting an even better score. But that's just how much I, I loved Kurt Angle. I thought he was hilarious. The, I remember a promo that he did where he recut an interview with The Rock to, to make fun of him. I, I just loved that. So it was always Angle, Rock, Austin for me. Those were great times for sure. The tail end of the Attitude Era, heading into the Ruthless Aggression Era in WWE. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there anyone else that you kind of follow today? Uh, what what do you follow WWE and AEW still, or is there something else that you like to, to to check out as well? Yeah, so I I I follow AEW more just because Monday nights I'm exhausted and Wednesday nights I'm I'm not so exhausted. I, I can stay awake a little bit longer. Um, but I have Peacock now, so I've been watching. I had Peacock for a while before I realized, wait, Peacock is the WWE network now, and so now 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 I watch a lot more on there, and I'm watching all of the. Um, documentaries, but mostly I just end up watching from back when I loved it the most in the, in the late '90s, the Attitude Era. But I, I love, I love the Guns. You know, I have a special connection to them. I was super mm -hmm. happy when they won the tag team championship in AEW. Uh, Billy Gunn is awesome. I, I love what he's doing. I can't believe he's so over again. I love 
Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks because in 2016, right before, actually, I went on this job interview here in Milwaukee. And then from this job interview, I flew to Los Angeles to Pro Wrestling Gorillas Bola, Battle of Los Angeles. Yep. And the Bucks were there. And um, Ricochet was in that. And John Morrison and Cody Rhodes and Marty Skrull, I think, ended up, was the one that won it. But there's just all these guys. And then like a, a year later, or however long it was, they start AEW. And so I had kind of a special connection to them because I saw them, you know, I, I knew them when. And so I just I, I kind of like watching them and tracking their growth. Tommaso uh, Ciampa, I like him a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Billy Gunn, obviously. And I had a chance mm-hmm. to interview both Billy and Austin at Wizard Wolf Chicago a few years ago. And it's amazing to see the guns on Billy Gunn and how jacked up he still is in his fifties. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. I mean, I was in the ring with him, of course. So, so then I, I knew a lot, but when I saw him at, at uh, a GLCW show in Cedarburg at circle B, which is a bowling alley and event center. Yep. And I'm just sitting next to him. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy is humongous. That was like two years ago. And he was humongous then. And he still yeah. is. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. So once again, Mike Kirkhoff, We'll be wrestling on SSW's Horsepower live in Kenosha on Friday night, March the 10th at Mahone Middle School in a fundraiser for the school. And talent on this show includes a who's who, SSW Tag Team Champion, Jordan Cross, former Impact World Champion and WWE Superstar, EC3. We have the SSW Champion, John Fate, Ice Pick Vic Capri, Fanny Pack Kid Cal Hero, Ryan Cross, my buddy Dave Rydell, we have Psycho Boy Fodder, the Mayan Mahler Drew Hernandez, TW3, and the tag team known as the Heroes of Our Time, Mason Conrad and Joy Marks, and of course, Iron Mike Kirkhoff as well. What about information for SSW's horsepower, and how can people get tickets? So you can get tickets right now at snssupershow.com. The show is March 10th, 7.30 at the Mahone Middle School Gymnasium. And that's a, it's a big gym. The bleachers are going to be out, chairs all around. And aside from the Waukesha Expo Center, it's the next biggest venue that I've ever wrestled in, especially if that uh, crowd is is full of and, – and it's not just for – students for middle school students i don't know why i don't know why people think that but i, I tell people I'm, I'm wrestling in the middle school they go oh a middle school can we come like yeah it's not during class it's just in the gym uh it is, it's a fundraiser for the middle school for the kids to have a carnival at the end of the year and keep that free which is a really really cool cause and um you know keeps them interested in school and loving the program and everything and uh so yeah yeah i'm uh wrestling in Kenosha for the first time and really looking forward to it. You're going to see a lot of surprises there. And, and I've been training. I'll be four months bigger and stronger than I was at Blizzard Brawl, which uh, hopefully is pretty good. Now your day job is being the morning anchor for CBS 58, but you grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and you probably don't flaunt it too much on the air, but you do have a loyalty to certain Chicago sports teams still. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of leave that part out, but I don't lie about it. So I, I'm honest about it, but I, I avoid the conversation, I suppose. But um, yeah, you know, I grew up a Bears fan, a White Sox fan, a Bulls fan in the Jordan era, and uh, a Blackhawks fan later. But, you know, mo- as, as with most people, didn't really go. You couldn't watch it on TV until right before they started winning. Um, but I I started my news career in Rockford at when the Rockford Icehawks just became the affiliate of the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. And so many of the guys that won that first championship, the Blackhawks, I covered when they were playing for the Icehawks. Troy Brower, I love talking to him. I was a big fan of his. And and uh, he's at the only, it's the only hockey jersey I ever bought um, once, he, once he made the Blackhawks. Uh, so I have a deep connection to the Northwest suburb. My first job was at the Schomburg Flyers, which are now the Schomburg Boomers. Mm-hmm. I worked for the Flyers as their media relations guy for a, the end of one half of a season, the beginning of the next half of the season. And um, was working there when, I don't know if a lot of your listeners might even remember this, when they were part of fan club where you could vote on the starting lineup for the team. I was there at the tail end of that as MSN. Remember MSN, the website, was Mm -hmm. starting a a documentary about that. And so I was there in uh, a Flyers versus Kansas City T-Bones game in Kansas City, Kansas, not not Kansas City, Missouri, mm-hmm. um, when there was a huge brawl. Everyone was so mad, and the, the, the documentary crew was actually kind of hype, but pushing them toward that. 
So I got to see all of that. Um, yeah, I got a, a deep connection to the Northwest uh, suburbs in Chicago area, but the White Sox, the White Sox are my team. I've always said that if I could trade a White Sox championship for a decade of losing for all my other teams, I would take that. Always the White Sox for me. At least now you're a White Sox fan and not a Cubs fan because at one point the White Sox used to be a rival of the Brewers until the whole yeah. Brewers moving to the National League deal and then the Cubs kind of became their instant rivals then. So Yeah, we reminisce about that rivalry here a lot, but now we're all we're all good buddies. We all can mutually hate the Cubs, and I'd certainly do that. <laughs> all right, Iron Mike, before we let you go, go ahead and promote your social media and if you have any merchandise that ever has come out. Yeah, we've got these Iron Mike t-shirts, which was another really cool thing from Blizzard Brawl last year. Hanson Screen Printing sponsored the match, uh, me versus Mordecai, and they printed these Iron Mike t-shirts, designed them, and they said, we'll donate the proceeds to whatever you want. So uh, $25 for the t-shirts, $5 for their cost, and $20 for every t-shirt sold went to the Wisconsin Humane Society. I adopted uh, a beagle puppy, one of those rescue beagles from um, that the big liberation from uh, earlier in the summer and she's become the love of our family's life and so i i have a spot in my heart for the humane society we raised about six hundred dollars for the wisconsin humane society at blizzard brawl and we're going to do another run of those um coming up in june but there are still select sizes left and still all the proceeds for that will go back to wisconsin humane society which i am very proud of that's at hansonscreenprinting.com on social media i'm just uh, mike kirkov mike kirkov on twitter mike kirkov on Facebook, Mike Kirkov on Instagram, CBS 58, Mike Kirkov on uh, Facebook, Mike Kirkov on TikTok as well. And uh, reach out to me. I post a lot of local news content, but a lot of wrestling stuff as well. All right, Iron Mike Kirkov, thank you so much. And we will see you on March the 10th in Kenosha. I'll see you there, Mike. Fun talk with Iron Mike Kirkhoff. Really interesting story on how he actually got into professional wrestling at his advanced age as a news anchor and his little feud with Kevin Vertig, a.k.a. Kevin Thorne and Mordecai. A lot of fun there. All right, next week we're going to talk more Chicagoland independent wrestling and we welcome our special guest, friend of the show, multiple-time guest, he returns to talk about his career on the rise. He's the SSW Tag Team Champion, a regular at Warrior Wrestling, GLCW, and Second Wrestling. He's the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross. He joins us right here next week on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody.